Hello, everybody. This is Noah, and welcome to Change Talk, a podcast where I have conversations with people who are thinking about change and are open to talking about it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Change Talk. Atara here, producer of the podcast you are currently listening to. Introducing the first episode of our High Holiday series. And welcome to our very special guest, one of the hosts of the podcast Unorthodox, professional Jew, Stephanie Butnick. Unfortunately, I have a producer-related message to share. All podcasts, especially baby podcasts like our own, encounter technical difficulties from time to time. We are no different. But just our luck, our biggest technical difficulty thus far has come on the week that we have a podcaster in our midst as a guest. Alas, this episode was accidentally recorded through another medium that was not our mic. And therefore, the audio quality on our end is, and there's simply no other way to put this, terrible. Please do your best to overlook our mistake and enjoy Stephanie's dulcet tones and Noah's less than dulcet tones. While I have you here, don't forget to follow us on all our socials. We are at Change Talk Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Change Talk Pod on Twitter. Like and follow us to keep updated on all our content. Thanks for listening. Shana Tova. And see you next week for the second installment of our High Holiday series. with my new friend, Stephanie Butnick, an editor at Tablet Magazine, and of course, one of the three hosts of the incredible Unorthodox podcast, which is the world's, what is it? The world's... The universe's leading Jewish podcast. No. Okay, yes, the universe's. That's, that's actually fair to say. It's the world's or the universe's leading Jewish podcast. And I reached out to Stephanie and the team because my wife and I are fans of the podcast. And we really feel connected to a lot of the things that they talk about and their playful nature. And we just thought that any of you guys would be a great guest. And Stephanie is the first one to step up. So welcome, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. And thank you for having me on sort of the eve of the high holidays, which is such a great time, I think, to be talking about change and growth and all of that. Wow. Okay. So you're bringing it right to the Jewish part right away. That so, is literally my job. Yeah, that is that and to interrupt job. you on any yes. wherever I am. <laughs> yes. So full disclosure for everybody here, I've been practicing interviewing for a grand total of eight weeks. So on the scale of zero to, to anxious, my anxiety is higher interviewing someone who is a professional interviewer and has been spending a lot of time doing these things. So I'm just noticing that. So this might, she might be doing a better job than I'm doing in whatever I'm doing. Well, look, I appreciate you having anxiety for this, right? Like it takes sort of the load off me. I mean, look, I don't, often get interviewed. So it's hard for me to like have to sit back and not know the, not control where this conversation is going. Um. <laughs> right. So it's a little bit out of the ordinary for you within the world of a very, of a thing that you're very familiar with. Exactly. Cool. So 
I always like to just start, Stephanie, very open. Tell me about yourself, what you're up to, how you spend your time, what's meaningful for you. So I work at Tablet Magazine. I've worked there for almost 10 years, and five of them I've been hosting uh, the podcast Unorthodox. So I work in a very, very Jewish space, uh, which is unexpected to me and still surprising, but I love it. Um, and I mean, what else, what else do I do? It's, it's sort of strange times now. Like you asked me what I like to do. I don't remember what I used to like to do. Um, I think I like to go outside without a mask on, but um, I live in Manhattan with my husband, Ben Cohen. He's a sports writer and I live with our cat, Cat Stevens, but Nick Cohen, who is an asshole. Um, and he's not really, not really enjoying us being home all the time. So I mean, in that's his space. Exactly. Exactly. Um, he does not, he's like most dogs, I think we're really enjoying this time of quarantine, but uh, cats, cats still don't like me, it turns out. Right. So it's the three of you together in a very, very tight space. Exactly. You're both into journalism. From what I remember, the hot hand is Ben's book, right? Yes, it is. Thank you for plugging it. The Hot Hand came out in March 2020, um, right before the world descended into, you know, just flames. But it's a, it's a really, really interesting book about uh, sort of sports and psychology and, and this idea of, of seeing, seeing patterns and randomness and how, how we want to see patterns and randomness and whether they're actually there. But for, for you, Stephanie, so you talked about obviously being an editor at Tablet Magazine, obviously writing journalism, print journalism and podcasting. How do you enjoy it? What do you what do you like about it? Why did you choose to to work at Tablet? What what's all that about for you? Well, I always wanted to write. I always loved to read. And in college, I just assumed I'd be uh, an English major like everyone else. Um, and then I took a religion class, sort of almost inadvertently. I was like, oh, this would be fun and weird. And I realized that what it was, was a lot of reading, a lot of writing, just sort of focused on a subject. And I found myself really, really drawn to these specific histories. I was, I was taking classes on Judaism, but also classes on Buddhism, all this, all this other stuff. And just the idea that religion is how so many of us tell our stories um, and it's how so many of our stories get passed down and it's sort of how we make a lot of decisions even if we don't realize it so i became very obsessed with with religious studies um which confused my parents a lot um but luckily my sister my older sister had been a classic studies a classic studies major so she like i was already safe right like religious studies was weird but it was not i mean like my parents knew to expect sort of nothing nothing conventional or marketable as far as right. you know skills go but um and then after college i, I knew i wanted to to be in in sort of the, the world of journalism the world of writing but i knew i also wanted more of a grounding in in religion and and sort of that more academic side. So I found the most perfect program, now defunct, a joint program at New York University or NYU um, that was um, in the journalism school and in the religious studies department. So basically half and half. So I could do exactly what I wanted to do, which is basically get that sort of like um, academic undergirding of, of religion and religious studies, and then also really get that um, on the ground training of, of journalism, at which point I sort of needed a job. And that was, you know, an interesting point um, around 2011. That's when, you know, we decide, we sort of decide that religion is important in waves, you know, after 9-11, everyone was sort of like, we need to understand religion. Why do people do what they do? Um, and there was a real investment in these religious study, these religion reporters. And then by 2011, you're like, oh, you know, when it comes time for layoffs, like who's the first to go? No one really understands like religion. So there's this world in which it, it, it's, sudden, it's sort of an interesting moment. So I, I had read Tablet for a long time and I saw that they were looking for an intern and I applied and I have never left since uh, January of 2012, I believe. I have oh. worked at Tablet um, 
up, I worked my way up from being an intern to being like an, an editorial assistant, associate editor, something, something, something. Anyway, I'm the deputy editor now, um, sort of like a game of Survivor. Right. Outlast, outplay. Um, and I'm still the only one who knows how to use the fax machine. So I think that's like my real staying power. But, right. you know, it's been almost a decade and I'm really, really, really happy there. Which is very long in today's world. I think. In media time. That's like, a, yeah, that's like to be, a, a, to be in eon. one place. So you had these two muscles that you started to develop. One of them was this curiosity, this interest, this sort of not exactly sure why, but really enjoying the study of religion, what it means to the to human beings as a meaning making potentiality and what it means about telling stories that human beings do. And of course, also being a journalist and getting to report on things, be at the pulse of, of what's current and what's going on and making sense of that story of whatever the stories are. So these two things sort of came together at the same time for you through this program. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. I mean, I started seeing, like, for example, I grew up um, on Long Island, which is a, one of the suburbs outside of New York City, and grew up in a town called Greenneck, a very heavily Jewish area. And I never really thought about why I grew up there. But if I actually went back and thought about it, you know, my father grew up in Queens, my mother grew up sort of all over the place. And she was always one of the only Jewish kids in her grade. And it was always just like this thing that she had to deal with being called names or something, you know, nothing really, really bad, but just sort of like your garden variety kid anti-Semitism. And so it was important for her that I go, that I grew up in a place where I was not an outsider, where I was not a minority. And so I sort of always knew that there were always Jews around me, but it wasn't really made clear to me that it was a conscious choice until I actually started thinking about it. And I think that religion for is such a grounding force even if you think of yourself as like totally secular there's sort of ways in which it it undergirds how we think in so many interesting ways and the fact that i you know grew up in a very jewish area went to college um in north carolina realized that actually that was not the norm right growing up around right. all jews having like the one catholic kid in your class that was not normal um jews it turned out were a minority i didn't i hadn't, I hadn't really figured that quite out um and then you know everything sort of spilled from there almost this idea of like oh because of where i grew up and, and the, the beliefs around me i saw things a certain way but now that i'm exposed to all sorts of different people i see that they saw things a different way too so that sort of really sparked what has been you know a, so far my career and sort of exploring religion and how it how it plays into our lives right and you've talked about whether you're totally secular or not. And I, and I think that this is very common in, in Jewish circles, of course, probably with your audience with, in Tablet Magazine of people across the spectrum of religious observance, whether they consider themselves orthodox or conservative reform, traditional, totally secular, humanist, atheist, whatever it is, that there's some sort of bridging pulse that can bring them all together. And I'm wondering for you, you've been so interested in religion and and you consider yourself a secular Jew in some way? Honestly, I consider myself a professional Jew in which, which, which I mean, uh, by which I mean that I go into an office and I think about Judaism and I think about what it means, right. what synagogue rate, you know, what does it mean that this, this is happening and these people are doing this, what does that mean? And then I right. sort of come home and I'm like, oh, I don't need to do Shabbat dinner. I've just like, I, I, I sort of leave it at the office in a lot of ways, which it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. And I know a lot of other Jewish professionals do feel a little bit that way too. Since that person starting Tablet Magazine in 2011 or 2012, and now you're in 2020, how have you been impacted by all your Jewish learning and, and practice and professional Jewing? Well, to be honest, what I've, I've learned is that what comes down from on high is so rarely matching what the lived experience is, right? Remember there was this Pew study a few years back um, about the unaffiliated, these millennials who weren't getting, you know, they were 
getting out of college, they weren't getting married as soon, they weren't having kids as soon, so they weren't moving to synagogues and synagogue membership was down and this idea of the unaffiliated Jew became this like boogeyman term and everyone was like, oh, the unaffiliated, we have to get, throw money here to get them, we have to, oh, they need to go on birthright, they need to do this. And everyone was just panicking about the unaffiliated. And what I've actually seen in the past few years is these incredible ways in which young Jews are taking control of their own Judaism, um, whether that's through something like One Table, which is this great Shabbat platform where you like can get funding to, to and, and actually support to to host a Shabbat dinner, or you know there are these two rabbis. They their Instagram handle is Modern Ritual, and they they're two young female rabbis, and they show you actually what to how to make Judaism your life and how to make it fit you. And so I've seen, I could list, you know, a hundred more examples. And so it's so funny to me to hear this sort of like institutional panic and people are yeah. saying, no one's joining my synagogue where dues are a gazillion dollars a year and you have to pay for high holiday tickets. And it really only makes sense if you have kids and you need to get them in the preschool. Like those things don't make sense to me when I see the fact that on the ground, there are so many people trying to do really, really interesting things. And, and sort of that's what I'm doing too, right? Like, that's how I see my job. I see this podcast we started five years ago, like sort of on a lark. We thought it'd be fun and light. But actually, what we're hearing from is a lot of people who say, this is the only Jewish thing I do. I don't belong to a synagogue. I either don't live near one. I don't want to belong to one. It's too expensive. I've not found the right one. And they say, but you know, I plug in my, my ear pods, my earbuds, whatever, each Thursday. And I tune into what is, you know, broadly a Jewish conversation, which obviously we have a Jewish guest. We have a Gentile of the week. We have news of the Jews. It's, it's not like a Torah podcast, but I was so surprised to hear from those people and people who say like, I don't know where I fit in in Judaism, but I listen to your show. And, and so for me, that means on my show, I want to have those modern ritual rabbis on. I want to have the one table uh, director on. I want to I basically bring these resources that I know about because I work in this space. I have you know, been on a book tour for, I guess I went, went on hiatus with the pandemic, but I go to cities all around What's the country. The, book, and I, sorry? the newest Jewish encyclopedia from Abraham to Zabar's and everything in between. Awesome. Zabar's, I will tell, you know, for the Canadians among us, you know, uh, yeah. Upper West Side appetizing sort of historic Upper West Side uh, Manhattan, um, like deli appetite. I mean, it's, it's an appetizing, it's not a deli. But you, you've talked about a lot of different things. You, the, the thing that I think is sticking out for me is that you care about history and religion. You care about religious religion and also writing about and being on the pulse of what's happening as a journalist as in Judaism. And you're bringing in these people that are doing something very, very new. The model of synagogue relationships for families or communities built on synagogues is still, of course, going to be ongoing, but it's sometimes counterintuitive because I think personally that prayer as a, as a model for Jewish engagement, which is kind of what the synagogue represents, is a very difficult place to start. It's hard for a lot of people to pray. So I wonder if choosing synagogue life as being the apex of how we define our Jewish identification might be a very difficult sell. And look, synagogue is for a lot of people. I, I very openly admit I do not belong to a synagogue in Manhattan. I just, I feel like I should be given membership, honestly. I think some, I'm waiting for someone to like tell me I could join, but look, like I have to scramble for high holiday stuff every year and see if I could get a ticket somewhere. And I'm like, it shouldn't be this hard. It should, you know, it's, to be honest, I was streaming before the pandemic um, and people gave, you know, people sort of, I, I like to be open about that by saying, like, I don't have a synagogue. I, I have a few synagogues I like to stream from on the high holidays, so I stream their programming, and then I make a donation as sort of like a, you know, a gesture of, of thanks, thanks and yeah. accountability. And I think that that's what a lot of people do. And so it's interesting this year, you know, I was just having a conversation about now that Judaism has gotten so much more DIY, right, since pa basically from Passover to the high holidays, there's this really interesting thing that happened where the pandemic hits, in, hits 
really, I mean, hit before, but really takes, takes hold in the United States in mid-March. All of a sudden, everyone is freaking out about Passover because Passover is in April and everyone goes, you go to your aunts, you go to your bubbies, you go home, you do this thing every year. But no one could do that. I mean, the lucky few could do that. So what we ended up having was, I don't know how many more uh, satyrs, but I never hosted a satyr. And I had one with my husband and my cat and we made it work, right? Like I found this like gnarly horseradish root at the bottom of the bin at Westside Market. You know, things weren't the way they were. You know, I didn't have my uncle's chopped liver that I love. Like things were different, but actually I love this idea of how many more satyrs were, were being held across the, around the world because people had to. And, and what might happen next year if you always, you know, sort of wait for an invite to someone else, might, maybe you'll host your own. Maybe you actually got the resources this year that you needed. Tablet actually published a Passover Haggadah that was in the works already. But um, so that was some, sort of something we wanted to say, like, this ritual is for you. Don't right, feel make it like- your own. Exactly. Don't feel like you have to use the book you used growing up because it's the only one you've ever looked at. Like, we should be making these rituals our own. And so High Holidays to me are such an interesting time because now we've all been on our own in some ways for the past six months. We've had a lot of time to think and to process. And as these major themes of accounting are, are, are upon us, we've sort of been accounting for much more time now than we usually are. It's usually just like the day, you know, you go to synagogue once a year, maybe twice a year, you do the big thing, you beat your chest, but we've sort of been beating our chest this whole time in a way. Right, and we're gonna get into what you're beating your chest about in just a few moments. But you, I'm, I'm interested in, I don't know how much you've been asked about this, but I really want to understand how you conceive of your Jewish identity. Like, why do you care so much about Judaism, first of all? And, and if, you had to re, if you had to really define it for me. You know, the biggest drama, personal drama I had on the podcast was when people, when I admitted that I didn't have a, a mezuzah on my door. Um, I casually, I said it, you know, I was like, I live in a walk up. There's like eight apartments. I just, I don't have one of those like funny doormats that say something about my personality. Um, I actually do honestly, but I keep it inside the apartment. <laughs> it says, beware of cats. Someone got it for me. And I was like, I don't need anyone knowing anything about me. And so I, I sort of said that and people wrote in and people got very, very upset with me. And they said everything from how dare you want to hide your Judaism to, you know, people in X place in whatever part of America can't have a, a mezuzah and feel safe. And here you are in the heart of New York City, you should have one. And I was sort of taken aback um, first by everyone's willingness to just yell at me because there was a lot of and why <laughs> like, you should so know better. Your Judaism. But right? it did force you're, you're me to think about it. You're a public Jewish figure. That's why. <laughs> um, and people will yell at that. you. It's yeah. like your, your whole life is lived as, like, with people in the, in the audience being like, we can't hear you. Right. right. <laughs> That's like my public speaking life. But um, it, it really made me stop and think, like, why don't I have a mezuzah? And it, it's hard because part of it is I never like I'm lazy. I'm a late, you know, I'm a millennial. You know, I don't I didn't have one. What was I going to do? And then um, people started sending me mezuzot. Um, they would just sort of send them to me like people I knew, people I didn't know. And interestingly enough, the, the, the sort of saga ended when I moved to a new apartment and I got there and there was a mezuzah on the door already. By the way, this is this sort of, it's a scroll we, we put in a, some sort of box that we're commanded to, to put on the, on, the, on the doorposts of our houses in different rooms. And most, many Jews across the spectrum have a mezuzah. It's, it's basically a symbolic public declaration of like, hey, I'm proud of being Jewish in some way, in some way. And it's one of those few things that most Jews have. You could be yeah. the most reform or the most religious and you have it. It's sort of like that and circumcision are weirdly the two things yeah. 
everyone just sort of does. And you're like, how did those are not do, those are not the same at all. But um, so we could find a connection, but we won't. Yeah, of course, marking ourselves, right? It's it's, it's a mark. It's an oat. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, oh gosh. But um, I just never I didn't have one, and so so when I get to this new apartment and there's this like garish mezuzah on the door, and I was like, I did not get through all of this to have an ugly mezuzah put on this door for me. So we did a whole episode where we take it down. I buy the scroll. I go to Westside Judaica. I get these guys to sell me scrolls. Um, and you, we have to inspect them and we put them in the thing. And I have these, all these cute mezuzahs. So I actually put a few up. I put one on, the, on my apartment door, one inside my apartment. Like I went, I had a lot. Whoa. They were very pretty. So, so by 200%, you increased your mezuzah and I, observance. And, you know, I told people about it and people were like, finally, but I liked, I like it. It's fun. I mean, I think part of what I, what it confers, it's like, it's publicly identifying yourself as Jewish. And if you looked at me, I mean, well, yeah, if you looked at me, but also if you knew what I do, you'd be like, why did you, everyone knows you're Jewish. You work at a Jewish magazine. If you look at your Instagram or your Facebook, it is very clear, like bagels everywhere. And I know right. that that is not representative of what all Jews eat. That is very specific to my Ashkenazi New York upbringing. But, you know, it made me think like, I'm so publicly Jewish in so many ways in some ways I'm not in such a strange, in such a strange sense. Like when it came to my home, I don't know. And, and as I've gotten older, there are ways in which Judaism is tied to life cycles, right? Like when my husband and I got engaged, he's Jewish and I'm Jewish. And, and we sort of had to decide who's going to marry us. Do we have a relationship with a rabbi? Do we, who, what kind of rabbi do we want? Do we want, there's, there's such a, a diversity of, of religiosity and, and different credentials. And so, you know, that's you have when to confront that when you make a decision like, to marry somebody. Totally, totally. That's why I have such respect um, for interfaith couples because you have to know everything, like what you are willing to negotiate on and what you're not. You have to know that right before you get married. It's like, it's like here are the flowers I want. Here's the dress I want. Here's what about my religion I'm committed to. Um, whereas we just sort of had to decide that we wanted, we found out an amazing cantor, Shira Ginsburg, and she married us. And then, yeah, I don't know what you were asking me basically about my discomfort Well, I was asking religion. about faith, <laughs> but I think my better question that we want to wrap up this part of the interview with is what's the most quote-unquote religious experience you've had the most meaningful experience that had a Jewish tone to it for you this is gonna sound kind of obvious but you know before before my wedding because we do this weekly podcast and because we're Jews and we can't stop talking and we have no respect for each other's boundaries we spent basically the year leading up to my wedding talking about my wedding oh, and that's so annoying uh, yeah, it was fun though. Um, it culminated in a, a wedding episode where we had on Anita Diamant, who wrote this great, great book about the Jewish wedding. We talked about all sorts of elements of of the Jewish wedding as sort of like the servicey piece that I was going through, but also you know, hundreds of other people you know that week probably were going through as well. So we talked to someone about the mikvah, and I made an appointment and I went. And this was after the episode. This was the Thursday before my wedding, and um, What's it actually the went. I'll tell you, um, a mikvah is this ritual bath that uh, Jewish women and some Jewish men um, submerge in around particular life cycle events. So some women go every month, some women go before you get married, men go at the beginning of, you know, you could, they're sort of uh, symbolic markers of when you go. And it's for, a cleansing. It's a cleansing of some sort. Yeah. And you, you dunk in, and you could do it in an open body, but there's all sorts of rules of what it has to be. But, you know, in most places there are mikvahs inside that you that you go into and so, so I made an appointment and I went to so it. My day was go to the mikvah, then do my gel manicure, um, two deeply spiritual uh, activities. But, you know, I went to the mikvah and I was nervous. 
and I went through um, this organization, Immerse NYC, where they sort of have non-denominational mikvah guides. So you don't feel like you don't know enough because the your mikvah guide is some sort of like Orthodox woman who thinks you, you know, who what, doesn't know why you don't know the prayers. It's very, very, um, it's egalitarian and it's it's very it's very easy, right? It's simple. Right. And I went and. I don't know what it was, maybe just this this space that felt sacred, maybe just like the, the idea you sort of shower before you, you you clean yourself, you can't wear makeup. I mean, you can't wear makeup, you can't have nail polish, which is why my Jill Manny was afterwards. Right. Um, but I, I, I did it. And then you go into this, this, the bath area and you sort of submerge and you say a prayer. And I was overwhelmed. I mean, maybe it was the emotions. It was probably a combination of everything, right? Like the emotions of the wedding, the stress of everything, this moment of calm, this depth of calm was just so overwhelming. Like, I'm going to cry. Like, I just, it was this moment that I took to myself and there was this, this sort of higher, higher level of it, um, the spirituality of it, but mostly it was just like the quiet of it. And I just sort of said, holy shit, can I curse on your podcast? Um, I sort of said, holy cow, uh, this, this, this is really, um, this is really something. And so that was sort of skeptical, cynical me going into a very traditional um, ritual with a modern twist, right? Because I had had the guide that I wanted um, and feeling really, really overwhelmed by it in a, in a good way. Right. Don't well, tell anyone I said that though. Yeah. Well, it's a very, this is what we've sort of been talking about. It's a religious experience that is something of the past. I mean, think about how many different people for the last 3,500 years have been dipping in water before getting married on their wedding day. And so there's this, 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 this deep time history of our of our people doing this and then there's the modern take on it there's the past and the present and the future all sort of interlocked together with each other and getting married is extremely emotional there's lots of intensity and then when you go under the water you know a, a mikvah is deeply symbolic and i'll just share one of them that really sticks with me because it apparently and this will move into change talk yom kippur the day of repentance it's all about change it's all about making things better and being better and people identify that a lot with the mikvah there's a lot of symbolic representations between going to the mikvah and Yom Kippur. And when you're underwater, it's like being in the womb. It's, it's being in the womb. And, and the, the word for womb in Hebrew is rechem. It means compassion or mercy. And so there's this like feeling of being immersed under, submerged underwater that's very warm and just hard to explain. It's like being held in, inside something really sort of like a cocoon of some kind. I'm not sure if that's what you experienced, but yeah, I, mean, I don't know what this, it was. Like, clear, this clearness, this clarity, this clearness. I mean, just the dunking in, in water. I mean, it was just, it was symbolic. It was, but it was very tangible. Um, what was one thought that was going on through your mind at that time? Like, why was it so like, were you just like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. I'm getting married. My life is. No, none of that. No. I was more just like, my mind is blank. My mind is clear because it was this thing that you, I was focusing on the experience and I wasn't mm -hmm. worrying about, oh, is the florist going to forget this thing that I emailed? But like there was no, none of that. And it actually reminded me sort of the, the source of all this in some way. Like mm -hmm. it, it connected me to this larger sense of like, yeah, this isn't just a party, right? This isn't just a fun time with my friends and family. And of course my husband. It's, um, it's very powerful. Yeah. Like it, it the, 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 the I keep saying the word quiet, but like it quieted everything except what was important. And I really right. loved that. So all the muck sort of moves to the bottom and then, and then just, there's, there's just clarity for that moment, whatever yeah. that, that, whatever that was for you. I got married September 9th. It was the same date as my bat mitzvah. Um, and actually at wow. the same place, which was amazing. Um, wow. 
And, you know, my birthday is September 22nd. I'm like a hardcore Virgo, but I, I really identify with, with sort of this, this renewal season of September, right? Everything sort of big happens, this idea. I mean, at one point we were going back to school, but I so much more identified even my whole life, maybe because of my personal, you know, that it was my birthday and stuff, but January was never a big thing. Like this idea of the new year starting in January for me as non, you know, observant as I was, um, the, the year starts in September and it's, it's sort of perfect, right? The summer ends. I love, you know, this fall, you get the fall crisp. There's this mm-hmm. idea of like intention setting that is built in within Judaism, which is really amazing. If you think about it um, way before like mindfulness and wellness yeah. or something that was, you know, peddled left and right um, on, you know, social media, this idea that uh, Judaism has this reset inherent in it. And, and I think this year, even more than ever, people, people need it. Yeah, they need the reset. They need to start fresh. They need to know that they can make their lives better in, in some way that there's hope. And, and we're, we're really a people of hope. And so as we're sort of tying this in, because this is going to be airing around the time of your wedding anniversary <laughs> slash Yom Kippur, Day of Repentance, Rosh Hashanah, the new year, there's, there's that in the air right now. And that's part of our lunar calendar of every year around the same time we have this experience. And so that's going to bring us into change talk here. This is the Jewish themed change talk episode. So Stephanie, and again, is representing Judaism on the grand state. Imperfectly, as Imperfectly, ever. of course, and, and same with me, and we're all just trying. So what change talk do you have? You know, let's, let's take you a month after Yom Kippur. You know what, actually, let's take you a week after Yom Kippur. So it's about six, six or so weeks from now. I'm getting it totally wrong. I don't know exactly. And you're looking back on this podcast and you made a decision of how you wanted to do things a little bit differently. What are you most proud about you in about a month and a half about a change that you made in your life that you took on a small little bit of Yom Kippur? What, what, what was that thing that you, that you did? You know, each year I try, I always have this idea of like wanting to be a better friend and, and figuring out what that means for each of the people in my life, right? For, for different people, that means different things. For some people, it means calling them every day. For some people, it means never calling them. Um, but this, this idea of where I want to be six weeks from now, I mean, I want to sort of say I've, 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 I've restored all my connections. Um, and, and it's particularly important for me this year because I feel so out of touch with everyone, right? Like I'm, technically connected to everyone more than ever right because we're all on we're all online all the time um but it it, it's it's distant it's by its nature distant because of the pandemic um and what i would where i would like to be let's get let's get very optimistic i will say that like when we check when you check in with me the week after yom kippur i'm gonna say you know i've I've been really really um like relishing in the amount of time i've spent in touch with my friends and Mm -hmm. the you know that i remember to check in on this aunt or uncle or this this friend who I know is going through something or you know I've I instead of just wishing I had called would call my grandparents I actually did it um and I didn't you know I just I sort of I want to say you know each night I set aside some time and I check in with someone that's that's on its most granular it's this idea that I, I have a part of my day that I that I check in with a person and they know that they can expect me or they can't or they don't know um and and I find in whatever ways is best for them I sort of reach out to them so it's, it's, it's picking up the phone in a very intentional way to connect with people that you care about. So of course, we're not so connected in certain ways with people, especially physically, but we're also have the ability to connect with people. But there's right now, so you're here now, and I just wanted to take you to that, that big picture for a second. The big picture is 
you want to be calling people that you care about a lot more in a way that just shows shows that you care and, and, and can in some small way make their day better uh, and, and make you feel that you're being a better friend, uh, as an example, or a better granddaughter or whatever it is. Yeah, and it's also like when someone tells me that next week they're doing this this thing, this this procedure or something like that, that I actually like, it, days are so fungible right now. Like this, if you told me something yesterday, I would have no re like recollection that Thursday is today, you know, like there's a way in which time has, has sort of seeped into this like sense of nothingness. So I, I actually want to, yeah, like I want to know, oh my, you know, I know my mom does this thing on Wednesday. I want to call her after that. Or like keeping in mind people's schedule, just, just, it's, it's two things, right? It's pandemic related, but it's also transcends that it's, it's, it's keeping in mind people's birthdays and, and sending them a card in time and sort of, sort of pushing myself against this tide of sort of like nothingness that has seeped over all of our days and saying like, oh no, no, it's Wednesday. I, I call this Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's a good time for me to text this friend who I right. don't think I've talked to in a while because it just seems like, I don't know. And the other part, I mean, we can, uh, I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you say something. It's your podcast. Well, well no, this is your episode. Um, but, but two things are coming out. One of them is that you want to be in touch with people that you care about more. The other is that you want to be in touch with people you care about, but you also want to be following up with people and be following their story in some way. You know, someone tells you that they're going here, they're doing this thing, whatever. It's not just, oh, that's cool. And then forget about it. It's like, I want this person to know that I care about them, that I've thought about them, and that I actually am putting in an effort to, to follow through and to follow up with their life in, in some way. Totally. I mean, my friend had was had like a beach house with some friends of hers uh, this summer, and I could not for the life of me remember when it was happening. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to sort of say like, how, how was it? How, how, how is it going to be? Like, I just couldn't, I didn't even know what to say because I didn't want to be like, you told me this thing and I have no idea what week in July it was. Of course, it wasn't an important thing that I remember, but in normal times, I would remember it. I would have, rem you know, like this idea of even though I have people's birthdays in my calendar and I have like a reminder a week before to send them a card, like I really, I try. I like look at my calendar and be like, oh, I completely missed this person's birthday because I didn't want to look at my calendar. And there's also the side of things of like, how do we stay connected when being connected means being tethered to our devices and when so much of what we want right now is to unplug right if you stare at your laptop all day you didn't have your usual commute you didn't go out for lunch you you sort of are are, are, are with screens all the time how could i not feel like calling someone or facetiming them is a chore yeah it's, it's so just annoying. another thing on my it's just another list. meeting on zoom exactly it's just another it, whereas you used to have meetings and they were they were very clearly meetings in terms of the ambiance and the feel and just the where you were, where you were physically, a meeting was in a place that you had to go to that was not at your house, or yeah. that was not in a place of connection with friends. Now, if you're going to be meeting people or FaceTiming people, you're going to be meeting with them in the same places that you're doing, that you're doing your business meetings during the day. It just doesn't feel the same. No, it's true. I mean, and the other thing for me is, and I've sort of struggled this with this for a few years, you know, my talking to my grandparents I talked to them I, they're great and um, my grandpa says you know we don't even need to call you we hear everything about your life on the program they call the mm -hmm. podcast the program which is incredible but so there is this sense classic. that much of what I do is be very public and open for 40 minutes to an hour every week and it feels like people do know what's going on in my life and so you know <laughs> I, it, it takes 
it, it sort of is a, a little bit of a crutch in some ways. Cause I'm like, I know everyone who listens, I know who listens to the show and I know that they know this thing about me. And so they can be like, Oh, that's so funny. You said this thing. Whereas I'm not getting that from them. Right. Like just because right. people know what's going on with me and I'm like overshare on, on Instagram all the time. Like just because you know what's going on with me and my cat specifically um, doesn't mean that I actually know what's going on with you. And so this, it, it, there's this weird one wayness that I have and I've had for the last few years as a lot of people listen to the show where people do feel like they know me. Our listeners who don't know me at all, they do kind of know me, right? They know a lot about my life and about my, my wife knows you, even though she's only met you that one time we all spoke. Yeah. And when I, when she got on the Zoom, I was like, I know you too. Like I, we can, we can talk in this very uh, Yeah, you have way. an inside language. But inside, I don't know anything about her, right? Like that's not fair. There's this like weird right. one-sidedness um, of what I do that I think is, is extrapolating to my friends. Like I, I just assume that everyone knows what's going on with me because, oh, <laughs> don't you listen to my podcast? But that's also like, so not you. I mean, it is you. It is a, a big part of you, but that's mm-hmm. not what's going on in your life. I mean, sort of is. Yeah. It's a version of my life, right? It's a version but I, of your life. But yeah. No, so, like if you, if you, you know. were my friend who calls and texts me, you'd know exactly what I was, you know, like there, you know, there's a different, there's a sort of like two tracks, right? There's the A and the B. Everyone gets the A and then like five people get the B basically. Five people get the B, right? So this the is real a big, stuff. this is a big topic, Stephanie. This mm-hmm. is, this is big. This is, we're all struggling at this. Just keeping in touch with people. That's really important. Keeping in touch with people in a way that makes them feel that you're continuing with their story, that it's not just one-offs here and there. And I actually wrote about that last week in, in my Jewish Parsha blog. And the other, so the, those, those two pieces are really important that you're, you're, tr- you're trying to work through. And then it's this new piece of the technology, it being the same uh, as yeah. you're, working technology and how annoying that is to have to deal with when you're trying to talk to people and it feels like work in some way. So this is a big, this is a big thing. And I want to, as I like to do here, I don't want to keep it big. I want to, I want to make it small. This is a big, a big thing to tackle. So let's talk about right now, the typical situation that's going on for you that you're really just, that you're disappointed about, that you're just, that you wish you were doing differently. It's, 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 is it calling your, 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 you mentioned a couple of them, but just reiterate that a little bit. Well, you know, it's like sometimes at, the, at like 930 at night, I'll be like, oh, I wonder what my parents are up to. But I know that that I <laughs> that's not the great that's not the right time to get my parents attention. Right. Like that's when they're like watching TV. They're winding down. My parents are yeah. morning people. So it's like it, it's 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 trying to be aware of when I should be reaching out to people. So it's like, you know, I'll. I'll work all day, right? I'll get up, I'll check my mail, I'll get to my office, which is now my a, a, a desk in my, not a desk, it's more like a table, um, a table in my in my bedroom. And I sit, I sit there, right? And then I'll go to the kitchen for lunch, I'll make a meal, I'll, you know, sometimes, and then at sort of five or 5.30 or six, I'll be like, oh, oh no, I gotta like do a workout class or I gotta get outside. I have to do something to sort of disconnect to say work is done. Right. Um, and then it's probably time to make dinner. And so it's like, then I make dinner. And then after dinner, I sort of want to sit on the couch for a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's at these later points in the night where I'm like, oh, I missed, I really missed the window to get my grand, you know, my grandparents do stay up late, but I don't like to, I like to sort of say like, let's FaceTime tomorrow. I like, we like to, you know, do the old fashioned thing, right? Like yeah. make a, make an appointment for a phone call or, or even with my friends, I'll like, I'll sort of, if I get text messages, if I get text messages during the day, I don't often respond to them because it's just like, I'm thinking about something else. I, I get so f- scattered so easily that I like really need to focus on tasks. So I'll have like three text messages I didn't re- reply to. And then I'll say, oh, oh, the, oh yeah, haha, that's so funny. Like, what, do you, what blah, blah, blah. And like, Much that's later. five hours later. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not how texting should work. Um, but 
it's hard. I mean, it's even hard to say to someone like, I just, before we got on, my friend, I had sent her this article earlier today and she was, she sort of wrote back and she was like, okay, I just read it. I'm ready to debrief. And I said, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to record this podcast. Let's talk tonight. And the chance that I remember to call her tonight is, is very small. So it's, it's a like, way of I'm, saying, let's, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll, we're, we're docking it for the future. But had like, she got me in a moment where I was actually in between things and I was yeah. lunch, like I would have chatted with her on text about it. Right. Like it's, it's, it's hard now. It's harder now, but these are same, these are, these are the same issues always, right? Like they're just, they're magnified now because I'm like, I don't want to sit on my phone all night. Of course I end up doing that. Right. I end up scrolling through Instagram for yeah. hours and I'm like, why didn't I just call someone? Right. And because you have to think you have your, you have this impulse to just do that and then you don't do it. And then it just becomes something else. It just like, it just stays in the fog a little bit. Like you had that initial thought, I'm going to call that person. And then it's, oh, no, I'm not. And then you just end up doing nothing, even though you're doing a lot of, like, little side things, kind of. Yeah, totally. So that's, that's what's happening. And what's this sort of not reaching out to people? And, uh, and let's talk, let's just kind of label this, like, intentional reaching out in, in some way. This sort of not reaching out to people. H- how does it serve you in a positive way? Like what I'm doing now? Yeah, like what the you're doing now. How does that help you? How does it make life better for you? look, it allows me at a time when the world feels uncertain and everything feels stressful to contain things, right? Like I can, I can, I can worry about work. I can do my job. I can come home. I can figure out what we're going to, you know, come, I come home is an incorrect. That's I'm always home. Um, <laughs> but you know, I can, I can make dinner. I can, I've already figured out like, and, and then I watch TV and sort of try to turn my brain off. And so if I expanded that and said, Oh, actually each night I want to FaceTime a friend. Um, that would be expanding like my obligations in some way because everything does feel like my, my, I feel like a lot of our lives right now, I'll say, or at least mine feels like, like an endless to-do list. It sort of felt like this through the pandemic, like, okay, I need to do my work. And then I need to like turn to this room and say like, oh, we need groceries. And like, then I need to do this. And then also like, remember this thing for tomorrow. And it's, it's, it's hard to separate like fun things that are fun from, from tasks. Um, Right. So, so it's just the reason why you enjoy not, connecting with your friends in a more intentional way and, and maybe family members is because it's just another task and you like to not have as much to do. It's, it's better. It's easier to, to sort of hide and, and kind of be on your own uh, because that gives you more time. Yeah. It doesn't sound as bad when you say it as how I feel about it. <laughs> right. So you feel that make, it makes you feel like it's good in some way for you. It yeah, kind of represents yeah. turning off responsibility, taking a break. Yeah, and I mean, especially because like... Being mindless, kind of, and being away from all of this stuff, all of these yeah. to-do lists. Yeah, and especially like, I do a lot of meetings, I do a lot of calls with people who are, you know, have this thing there. Like, I, I do, a, if anyone reaches out to me and says, like, I want to get into journalism, I will have a, I used to have coffee with them, I'll have a Zoom call. Like, if you, I will do all of this stuff because I do feel, I think that that's important. Um, if you tell me you have a podcast idea, I will sit, you know, I do all that stuff and then I, and then I do all the meetings I have to do. And then I do the podcast, at which point I just talk. And so it's like, there's part of me that at the end of the day was like, texting is really great because you don't have to talk anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like I could just like I like my throat hurts sometimes. I and I do a lot of events at night, so it's like right. I moderate a panel, and then I'm just like I cannot talk. But there's yeah. a way in which I could be texting. Like te- this isn't all about calling, right? This is yeah. about there's this is about finding communication. Like even just right, but it's the intentional piece to it. So for you, 
and we'll, we'll get into the nuance there, but you're saying it's texting it's just in general, because we're going to end up constructing how it's going to look for you to be in touch with people in a way that's not overwhelming, in a way that does separate from work, in a way that, that keeps you feeling like it's kind of fun. But for now, it's, it's, it's just, it sounds like your whole day is talking and connecting and <laughs> being on a screen and take, making time for people. So why do you want to, it's like your Judaism. It's like, why do you want to come home and do, do these <laughs> things, right? It's like, you know. I don't want to, I don't want to connect with all this is, this is just more work. So the, the main benefit is like, there's just less work. It's, it's less work. And it's, it's represents that taking, taking a leave of absence from, from those responsibilities. Wow. You're good. Is that fair to say? That makes sense. That makes total sense. Right. So, so well, what else? I, there's gotta be more what, you know, so, so there's obviously the, the, in a way, and I, I've now started to conceptualize that in all of these decisions, these really little decisions, there's the avoidance of some sort of painful experience and having pleasure. And that's why we kind of do these things. We're human beings. We avoid pain and pursue pleasure. So for you, it's avoiding kind of the work responsibilities and the, the pain that that may come with. And it's kind of pleasurable to not to just Instagram and scroll and la 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 la, whatever that is. So what else is it? That's interesting. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think the thing that's hard, like, for example, I have a friend, a very close friend who's pregnant and I would like to text her every day and be like, so how are you feeling? But I know that's actually really annoying. <laughs> like, um, like uh, my mother-in-law was sick a few years back and she hated that people would look at her and they would, she said they would like sort of cock their head to the side and say, how are you? Yeah. And she was like, you could talk to me normal. Like this idea that like, I don't want people to feel like I'm checking in. I'm not comparing the two situations obviously but this idea like I, I want to know what's up with my friend like I, I do want her to know that I want to know every ache and pain and exciting thing that happens but also do it in a way that's not annoying um that isn't isn't sort of an imposition and isn't isn't um like how are you how are you feeling what is what's gonna like that that actually isn't maybe a helpful friend gesture right right so this is this is another thing it's you don't want to bug people yeah. It's when truly. you don't do these things, you don't get to be the bothersome, that annoying person. Yeah. I also feel like it's so funny, like when I get a phone call, it, because the way phone calls work, they used to be something you like set your whole life uh, like aside for, right? Like the phone rang at the dinner table and someone would be like, I'll get it. And now a phone rings and I'm like, I'm, I'm watching it. Like, oh, this isn't so invasive. Like, it's, it feels invasive because I just see, I'm in my home and I see someone's name on the screen and I'm just like, ah, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to talk right now. Should I, should I pick up and say that? Or should I just screen the call and text them? Like it's become such a weird imposition that like, I don't want someone to feel like that when I call them. Really annoying. Totally. Yeah, and it's the, nice too, but it can be annoying. But on the other hand, for me, it's like sometimes, so my two best friends and I will say like, okay, or can we do a FaceTime this weekend? And we'll be like, okay, I, you know, it's kind of like to do a doodle for a bachelorette party, those like things with the calendar. And it's like 17 weeks and no one can do the same one. And so it's like the back and forth of like, when should we do it? And then by the time it comes, I'm like, oh crap. I like, I started making dinner. I'm not going to be like, <laughs> it's like the more I set up times to talk with people, it actually becomes that too. It's like this, this crazy another business meeting again. Yeah. And so it's confusing, like what if, so if I, but I have to do one of those two, right? I have to either schedule time to talk to someone or call them. Like, it's not right. going to happen if I don't do either of those things. I can't, I can't rule out both of those things. Right. So it's, it sounds like right now, the big things that are, that are popping up, of course, are just not having, just having more responsibilities and it being really 
either you are annoyed when people do it to you or it's annoying to that you think you're being annoying to other people. I think what you said at first was right, like eliminating six phone conversations a week. That feels good. Like that's like, oh, that's great. I would love, I mean, I would love the if those were not the ones I eliminated, but you know, right. there's a world in which um, my time has become really valuable. It, it seems like we have nothing but time, but at the same time, I feel like the days go by so fast and all of a sudden I haven't done half the things I, I needed to get to. Um, right. One last thing from that end is, and you mentioned this a little bit on in passing, but basically, so it sounds like you're able to make time for all these people. You, you said random people are going to message you to have a journalism meeting, to have a Zoom meeting. You know, you can give an example. For me, I reached out to Tablet Mag <laughs> as I had reached out to different people and just said, hey, please consider being on my podcast. And you got back. Well, Mark sent, I sent it to Mark. Mark sent it to you. You got back. The next day we had a meeting. <laughs> Four days later, we're doing the podcast. So you've made some time for me and I'm like a complete stranger. So what, oh God, what is, what, right. what's so nice about making, you know, you're making time for these people that I'm not very important or important at all in your life. And, and we're sitting here having this conversation and this is during your work day. And please don't, I don't want you to regret doing that, but I'm wondering, so what's that about? That is, wow, you got me. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the thing. We've been on this call for an hour, this, this interview for an hour. And I'm like, oh, I guess I could, you know. But for me, it's, wow. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I would say that, like, thing. when it's in a professional context, I want to do a thousand percent. I think it probably stems from the fact that I started as an intern at the place I work. And I've, in some ways, always been trying to prove myself and um, prove that I even though, you know, when I was an intern, I was younger than everyone and, and sort of say like, I'm not 23 anymore. You know, I'm, um, I'm the opposite. I'm 32. Um, but, you know, there, I do have this, this work sense of I must, you know, I, I owe it to something to, to, to be all these things and to do all these things. And, and, and it makes sense, right? Like we could talk about that, like the way in which I don't think it's generational. I don't know. But I mean, my work is my life in a lot of ways. If you think about it, like I've already, I've, I've basically said that so far. My, if you looked at my Instagram, you would know I was a Jewish professional. You would know exactly what I do because it's all pictures of events and oh, bagels and all this funny stuff. And like, there is a world in which I've, it's not allowed, but I've, I've created a, a persona, a professional persona that is in very many ways has bled into my private, my, my personal life, right? Like if you want to do things that are on brand. This is kind of exciting for you, Stephanie, this conversation, because it's on brand in a certain way. You know, you're, this is part of in some tiny indirect way, not giving so much credit to myself, but it's, it's some, in some way a part of your work professional experience, this conversation. Yeah, I mean, look, at it's very basic core, like you've told your followers the name of my podcast. Maybe they'll like right. me by the end. Maybe they'll go listen, right? So there is definitely a professional aspect to this. But look, you sent a really interesting email about all the things you did. And I was like, oh, you know, I have been wanting to talk to someone on the podcast about mental health and Judaism, and this might be the person. And so why wouldn't I go on his show? So like, for me, everything is in search of the next story. Right. Um, and so right. even just connecting with you, we had a great Zoom, an unrecorded Zoom about sort of all the stuff you've been doing. And, and I, I, I think I see everything as, as a potential segment or in some ways I'm sort of producing everything as, as I go. Right. Um, You're making stories. And, and Stephanie, that's, oh, my wife's going to get mad at me because you were about to say something more. And I, uh, no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's, this is just another reason and I'm, I'm capping your reasons to not change. But one of the reasons is, is because 
it's really fun to make time and space for experiences and work because it's building it's building Stephanie the editor, Stephanie the podcaster, Stephanie the Jewish professional, and it all adds up and it's building you. And then where do these friendships come in? How are you building those parts of your identity? So you get the the more you increase these kinds of conversations in some way, or you take on the mentorship role, it's building Stephanie the professional. And so you get a lot of pleasure from that and you, and, and you avoid having to build the other parts of Stephanie in some tiny way. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly true, but I will say like my deep, deep friendships with people who understand my life are very, are more and more important the more I put myself out there publicly. Like, and public, right. I mean, look, I have a Jewish pot. Like, I'm not saying I'm famous. I'm, it's a very right. small pond, You're but um, famous, it's like a mikvah. I'm a big fish in a small mikvah. Um, <laughs> I, I think that it's been really restorative for me to have these close relationships with my, my family and my friends in these past few years. That's just like, like they just know me and because i know so many people feel like they know me the people who actually know me are so much more important to me um right because they know the real me <laughs> and so right. it is it makes it's kind of crappy that i i'm not making as much time as i as i feel like i should be for those people i don't think it's because they serve me in some greater sense i think it's because right. i have developed as i <laughs> forced to think about it which you have forced me to um i have developed my professional persona possibly to a detriment of the development of my personal person my personal persona is that a word um right. like it's 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 okay to miss a call for from a friend because i know but i'll get back <laughs> they'll get back to you it's, it's not yeah there's a casualness with which i approach my personal relationships that i probably don't approach my profession i probably am much more i mean the word right. is professional You're a professional right? at being a professional but less a professional and by the way this is a lot of people myself included less of a, a, a professional in your personal life. <laughs> no, in your personal life. But, and I want to be clear about that. Of course, the work that you're doing, Stephanie, and the things that the people that you're connecting to, the value you're providing in the world, the, the Instagram identity that you have, all these things are big parts of your identity that transcend work and do bring you close to people you care about. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's a part of the, it's a part of the picture. It's a really important part. And it might be a bright spot of how you connect with people you do care about and love. Like for me, I can speak I love talking about my podcast with my family on a personal level because it makes me feel like it's just something exciting and it's, it's, it's a part of my identity. And so it's not just about your professionals. I don't think that that's what this is about for you. It's, it's just a really positive element of, of your life. And, it's, and, it, and part, of that, part of that reason is it's, it's exciting. It's all the checks up a lot of the boxes. But this other part of being a professional in a personal sense is, is a little bit more difficult for you. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for, because I spend, it's, I mean, it's really, I never actually thought about this, but like, because I spend so much of my time interviewing people, I mean, at least two or three interviews, you know, a week just to get stuff for the podcast or just, you know, on a, like I do book talk, I mean, I do all this stuff. And so it's funny to have a conversation with someone that's like completely un, unmediated, right. like to just not to have someone call me and me not know what I'm going to say. I mean, it's really funny. It's, I hadn't really thought about it, but like, it's hard not to, it's also hard not to like script I don't want to be an interviewer to my friends, but like when they tell yeah. me something, I'm, I sort of start, I sort of, I yeah. think I may go, I, maybe they wouldn't even notice that, but like, I've always been, I've always had like very intense conversations with like random people just because like, they'll tell me something. And I'll be like, wait, so like, I'll, I'll, I'm a, like, a, I think I'm maybe like a reporter at heart. Like I, it's, it's hard. Very but I don't, curious. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to feel like I'm interviewing my, like, that's such a horrible way to feel. I mean, you want to feel that someone's interested in what they're telling you. Yeah. But I think I've, because I've, I know how to do that so well on, on things I'm not necessarily interested in. I wouldn't want a friend to think that I was like somehow 
It's like friends don't want you to be their therapist or whatever. It's the same kind of thing in some way. Yeah. Like they want you to be a friend and a normal person. Have I forgotten how to be a normal person, Noah? I don't know. I don't know. All I know you is in this context, but, but I think that that's in certain ways besides the point, because there's probably so many different dimensions to you. And sometimes you, you get more personal in an interview and then more professional in a personal, you know, because some people for myself, you know, being a a therapist and being an interviewer, it's, it's, it can't just turn it off. I don't, I don't turn it off, but it's also part of the reason why people care about being in relationship with me because I have a thoughtful relationship with them, but I do, it is different on a personal level than, than anything. Yeah. I mean, and because so much of what I have done is performative, right? We do these live shows, we go to JCCs all over the country, we do these things, or even, you know, like last week, you know, I do a, a, a interview series with the Museum of Jewish Heritage, where I talk to like other grandchildren of survivors, like I do a lot of sort of like public conversations. And so yeah. like, there's this funny thing that happens after where I like, I need to come down from them. Like I need to like, sit in my hotel room in the dark, because like, that is just, they're just such even like this, I mean, like this, I'm, I'm on for you right now, right? right. Like the way I right. imagine guests are for me. And it's hard. Like I'm going <laughs> to like, it's after fo- this, you sort of have to, focus. yeah, it's draining. It's draining it's in a draining. lot of ways. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do, I need to sort of like recalibrate in a lot of ways. And so yeah. I don't know. So let's, so let's get to the recalibration. So, mm-hmm. and we're going to be able to really, I think we're going to be able to find something really cool that hopefully can help other people too. So all these reasons why you don't want to change, and I'm not going to go back and highlight them. Talk to me, what would it be like to make some changes in this area? How how would it impact your life? How would it make Stephanie's world a little bit better? I mean, it's funny, like, when I, I, social media is such a good example, I think, because it's like, I hate thinking that, like, I've become one of those, like, shamelessly self-promotional people who, like, my Instagram is full of this, but, like, that's what it is. Like, I, I tell people, I'm like, here's the book I wrote, like, or I edited, you know, like, here's my show next week, come to this thing. And it's funny, I've always been a little self-conscious that the people who really know me, like, either think I've changed or, like, think I'm both, like, think I'm one of those people who does that, like, and I, I feel like I go out of my way to say sort of, like, oh, you know, I have, you know, you know, I, I or, like, I'll do it self-deprecatingly, like, the caption of the photo will be, like, like, oh, the cat says something, but it'll be like, like <laughs> it'll be like a deflection of something. Yeah. So I don't want people to think of me as thinking of myself in any, that I'm special or anything like that. So yeah. it's, it's funny. And I don't know. So I feel like I want my friends to like, know that I'm, I, or to like know that I'm genuine still. Not that I'm not like, I'm, I'm not talking like I'm some like, you know, like oh, this is like no. a PH1, where are they now? But um, no, I, I get it. You, like the public you, private yeah. is hard, I think for me. Yeah, and you ju- you just want to be, you just want the be- one of the benefits would be just more time to be Stephanie, completely outside of the muscle of Stephanie, the Jewish professional of Stephanie. <laughs> and these yeah. things are really powerful for you, and people connect with them to you about it. But just more time to be just Stephanie, whatever that means. And the more time for that that you create with your friends, the better you're going to feel about when you do share when you do promote, when you do things that are related to that, because you're like, I'm building this other muscle. I'm doing this whole other thing with you. Yeah. And like not feeling like I'm uh, cultivating like relationships with strangers at the expense of relationships with people I really care about. Like, like, I love the fact that people reach out to me on Instagram and say like, I love your, you know, I love your podcast. Here's what I like, you know, where I'm, I'm from here. I do this. Like, I love, I love that. Um, 
and I guess, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to change that, but I don't want anyone to think that that's what I, that's all that I want, right? Like that, yeah. that, that has supplanted like real friendship for me, a real right. connection. Right. But those so are real part, connections too. Like, sure. It, I'm always going to write back to that person. They're different yeah. connections, but they're yeah. real nonetheless. Yeah. So, so why else do you want to be more in touch in an intentional way with people? Part, I mean, look, part of it is like, I will feel like, oh, I'm a bad, I'm such a bad friend. I haven't, you know, reach out to this person, but that's like BS, right? Like that I can get, I can move past that. I mean, part of it is like, I think everyone's lives are, are changing that I know. Um, I'm, most of my friends are in their thirties where some of them are married, some of them are not like everyone's lives are moving on and really are moving in really big, significant ways. Of course, obviously for most people, it feels like the past six months have been like a pause on, on most things, on dating, on whatever it is, wherever you are in your life. But it feels like I want to know what my true and this is not a lot of people like I don't have that you know I, I right. feel like I have really a few close relationships and then I have family that I'm I deeply close with um yeah but it's even like I want to I want to remember to call my mom like yeah like <laughs> maybe just not... like the top six to eight yeah let's 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 not get it Stephanie's not talking about reaching out to like the the outer circle maybe that's another thing but there, there's the the inner circle that you really want to be connecting to more yeah, this is you not want to show people you love them more yeah. and care about them. Exactly. Not just exactly. in not just in spirit, if you will, but in the way that you communicate. And maybe it's something little like a text message or a phone call. Uh, but it's just it's just this piece of tangible action that says, I really love this person. Yeah. Beyond like liking their photos and commenting like hearts. <laughs> Beyond liking their photos. <laughs> which photos is also important hearts, to the which is you know, also great. The health There's, of any relationship. For sure. This is also great. So so you have a big one there. You want to, people to feel that you love them more and care about them more as a, as a human being. Yeah. I want people to know that. And I do, because yeah. I do. Right. But you just want to be more consistent with that. Yes. So there's, the, so we have two things emerging. We have you wanting to be more consistent with how you actually show people you care about them and love them. And that's huge. And the other, the other part is that you then with those people and just with the broader community, it's not just Stephanie and the one persona. You get to feel that you can sh connect more personally and then of course celebrate the Stephanie persona of work within those relationships. So anything else? No, I got nothing else. <laughs> Love, that's really well, what yeah, this oh, is yeah, about. Yeah. Especially now, like I think that, that I, I, when you asked, you know, what was, what's something you sort of want to change? I mean, to me, I'm like, I want to be there for these people. I, I'm there for me. I mean, this idea that like connection is so much more important than ever. Those real, those real deep connections. And it's like, there's such uncertainty in the world. And I want the people that I love to know that I love them in, and that I'm there for them. I mean, and that, and that I, and, and to be there for them, right. whatever that means in whatever day. But it's, it's love and it's connection and it's intentional, deliberate intention to do that. And so we're going to now just, I'm going to ask you how you think you're going to do that. This is a big thing. This is a, a big topic. How do you think you're going to do it? Well, it's hard because I, I don't want to do like 6 p.m. ding, like alarm ding, text your friends. But I actually do think that that would be helpful. I mean, for me to say, okay, so if I already know, like I basically spent the first four months of the pandemic figuring out a, a work-life schedule, right? Like when do I wake up if I don't need to be in an office at a certain time? When do I stop? When do I shut my laptop? Um, when do I go to sleep? When do I do my dishes? Like all those things were so ephemeral and, you know, whatever the words are for them. But now it's like, okay, I've actually set that up. I've even found time to like 
move, move around. That, that felt important, but I don't think I actually rescheduled in like the check-ins that I normally would do, like on the way from on the walk to work or on the, you know, like all these times, I actually, it, it makes sense now. Like I haven't budgeted in those times. And so right. maybe what I do is, okay, so I five to six, that's my, that's my, that's my like health wellness workout, whatever. That's when I go outside to get, you know, the, <laughs> I leave my apartment for the first time, get some air. Um, and then like six to seven, I call like I, I just I, I I think about that time as as friend time, and that's actually like this. And I and I realize I see it for like the restorative time it is, and that's when I call my parents because I know they're eating dinner, or like I call my sister to see what's going on with her. Actually, I won't call her then because she's probably putting her kids down. But um, you know, like that's a good time to check in with people. Right. And I have an hour, so it's not like I'm walking and I need to call you. And if you if you don't pick up and you call me in ten minutes, I'm actually I'm on to something else. Right. Maybe like I have this time. It's oh, it's like office hours. <laughs> yeah, it's open office hours for these for these people. I mean, and you can also tell them, hey, if you ever want to talk, call me between six and seven. Like I, I'll be around in some way, and, it, and it's not going to yeah. be like immutable. Um, and I just want to make sure that it's that it's doable. So of course, it doesn't mean that you're going to be calling people for an hour and talking to six people during that time. But it means that maybe the alarm does go off and just says call the people I love. <laughs> and then based on the context of the day, maybe that means a text message to, to somebody just saying, thinking about you, love you, etc. Or it means on, on another day, I'm calling my grandparents or I'm calling my mom. We don't know exactly what that will look like. Mm -hmm. But if you set that alarm once a day or whatever it is that just says, call the people I love, it doesn't, it's not call this person and tell, you know, it's just call the people I love. It, it's pretty general, but then it'll remind you to maybe do one little small thing more in that area than you were doing before. And also get excited for like, oh, it's six o'clock. I'm going to call my friend. Like and this idea of like, even not feeling disrupted by a text that came in in the middle right. of the day that I know I'm not going to be able to get to. Like this idea that like, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so funny. Like I'm, I can't not, I can't not think on like the whatever macro, I don't know what it is, but like that's such a good idea. Like if we all just spend six to seven calling the people, like with the call you people you love, like that's, right. that's so smart. I want everyone yeah. I know to do that. Because it, and, and it's sometimes, you know, we don't want to mix professional and personal, but it's sometimes really helpful to professionalize in, in some way to really organize our lives, just like yeah. we organize our work lives, because it means that we care. It means that we are taking it seriously. And so for you, it's just an alarm will go off at six o'clock. that just says, call the people I love with a heart. Yeah. on it and it'll just it'll just remind you hey it'll give you a moment's thought to say who can I connect with today it's just it's just meant to be a little bit of an of an interference pattern of, of how things have been regularly flowing for you no I love that and, and it sounds like, totally well, doable it's an hour it's like an hour a day and I actually could get so much accomplished I mean like that's a lot and like I can make dinner while I'm doing it but I know that I'm not gonna totally. eat dinner before seven any but day. I'm, I'm like, differentiating and I want to do this for the purpose of this there's no the only real change talk you're having here, whatever you do on your own, that's your choice. The only change talk here is that you're setting an alarm at six to tell you. Wait, I'm going to do it right now while we're, while yeah. we're here. You're going to watch me do it. people I love with a oh, heart. I love this. And, and, and I also want to make sure I touch on this as we wrap this up is you talked about, of course, wanting to be connected to those people, wanting to follow up their story. Those two things are very important. And the other thing that you mentioned as a barrier, which was annoying, was that it feels like a meeting. So yeah. what can you do to differentiate the time spent professionally and the time spent personally? Is it that you go for a walk and you're on the phone? Maybe you spend the first minute on video 
and then you then just say, hey, let's talk on the phone. What, what are you going to do to make it a different experience than having another meeting? I mean, I think FaceTime, honestly, is, feels like meetings. So eliminating FaceTime, although it's nice to see people's dogs and see, you know, things like that and to see them. That I also like that to me feels like it feels like a, a burden almost, and it's like more less helpful, and I don't get as much out of it. Um, I would say that talking if I like have my earpods in and I don't have my phone on me, like, but I'm talking to you as though you were next to me. That would feel more like I don't have my phone to my ear, and I don't have to be near my phone because part of this is like I'm not checking emails, right? Like I'm not right. actually on my phone, so that right. would be really helpful. I mean, yeah, I do like the idea of going for a walk. I always just feel like then I'm. I always hate like my sister used to call me like between the subway and the her office and I was just like I know you have 30 seconds for me why are you calling me right now so like I never want to like or you hear the wind and I'm like oh yeah. I know <laughs> so so there's a world in which like yeah but like even just like finding going to a different room I mean not that I have another room but like going to my bed or going to the this other something chair. different yeah and just putting on your calls. pjs I don't know just yeah we won't that's not even part of it just I'm just floating it out that there's a little tiny maybe thing you can do to make this feel like it's not another meeting. Um, okay. It's not another burden. It's not another loathsome responsibility of some kind, even though it's not really how you feel. I, I know you, you like I could that. put on like my friend shirt. Yeah. Just and something. To them. Yeah. <laughs> something. So okay. at the end of the day, all you have is a, is a reminder at six, call the people I love. So if you were to, sum up this entire interview, <laughs> all of that we've talked about, all the worlds and the dement things that we were moving into from the mikvah to this, this, that, and then the change talk, mostly just the change talk. What's the visual, what's the phrase, what's the quote, what's the picture that you want that, to sum it all up? Just, just call the people I love. Like, it, I mean, I don't know. When you were saying that, I just sort of had this like silly tagline of like, make it count, which is like, I want, I want these days that were, that feel endless and but quick like I want this this time I want I want to remember this time and I want to know what is going on with people so like this idea of and also making these conversations count not feeling like I'm checking email while talking to a friend like actually making all of these interactions count the way they used to if I could go visit you for the weekend um, if you're in DC and I don't get to see you often like I would have a real weekend with you so it'll like making it making it count the way I would for work, right? Like I, like the way I'm like here a hundred percent for this hour right. and 20 minutes, I'm not checking my email, right. but doing that in all, all aspects of my life and not feeling like work is more important necessarily than like these other connections. Right. So, so is it making it count or is it call the people? What is it? Is I it like, make, I mean, call the people you love. Make that your, make that your episode title. That's the text what it is. Yeah. Just call yeah. the people I love. Yeah. That could With sum it up for you. With a heart. Exactly. So a that. heart. With a purple heart. Okay, good. So, and by the way, purple is the, the Jewish people are called Amsegula, which is the color purple or treasured nation, but also means purple. That's a fun fact. I'm also going to call some Gentiles during this time. Yes, yes. Some of my best a, friends. You have a Gentile <laughs> of the week. Yes, yes, yes. We, we, we get that. <laughs> so first of all, that, that just about wraps this up. That I really hope that for people listening right now, this is always what the motivation is. There's, this is not about you. This is about you right now, Stephanie. There's a lot of people listening to this that are struggling with this issue of how to connect with the people that they love in an intentional way, in a way that shows that they care about them and that they're putting them first. That can be felt. That's a, it's a t something tangible. And so the change talk that, that you've come up with could really help somebody else. So thank you so much for taking your time here 
in your studio. I know that maybe this was draining, so then it's it takes away from other energy that you have, but I do I do really appreciate it and I hope it can help you in some small way. This was amazing. I feel like I should be like Venmoing you or something. <laughs> <laughs> so a pleasure. And, yes. And no, of course, thank you. This, this, yes, and this ties in. We'll just wrap it up with a Yom Kippur thought. Hopefully people are understanding that this podcast is about really, really small changes and improvements. And so if you're thinking about this coming year, for whether it's the January holiday that you celebrate for the new year or Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, just break it down, make it small, and make it real. So thank you, everyone, and take care, Stephanie. Thank you. Editing for this podcast is done by the lovely Atara Shields Tile. Music and theme song by Hope and Social in their album Yorkshire Electric EP with the song People Change. <laughs>